Hey folks, so we recorded this a few months ago and we thought it would be very appropriate to release this now. During the COVID-19 outbreak, we are encouraging everyone to obviously read your Bible, but also hear a few book recommendations that we've had. So I'm releasing another episode of The Truth Talks Reads. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at the Truth Talks Podcast at gmail.com. We'll be happy to answer those questions for you. And now for our feature presentation. Welcome back, everyone, to The Truth Talks Reads. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. And with me today, the person that didn't teach us how to read, but he will teach us what to read uh, and how to study. It's uh, Pastor Matt White from Bellcroft Bible Church. How you doing today, sir? That's a that's an interesting intro. I'm doing great, man. <laughs> good to good to be with you, my friend. I appreciate I feel you. Feel like we haven't been here enough. Yeah, man. It's uh, our lives are our lives and our ministry is busy. Yeah, we have we have things that we have to do, uh, and 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 it's all good stuff. Amen. But you know, coming together to do this is a blessing. Yes, um, it is for us. So what we're gonna do is uh, go through a few books that we. Uh, recommend that you all read. The last time we did this, I just want to go through that list really quickly so that you all get an idea of where this is going. Uh, the first one at the top of the list was Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Uh, the second is Holiness by J.C. Ryle. I, I was writing this, uh, FYI, I was writing this extremely quickly, so if I don't get the entire name of the book, then uh, that's fine. Uh, the third is What Does the Bible Say About Parenting by John MacArthur. Uh, Your Child's Profession of Faith by Dennis Gunderson. Mm. Started reading that one. Mm. Um, the Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Knowing God by J.R. Packer. The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. Instruments in Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp. And The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. Let me be very clear about a couple of these books on this list. Uh, the Pilgrim's Progress is is a great book. I've been reading through that with uh, my little ones. And then hmm. uh, The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur has been... Uh, one of those books that has uh, just been altering my thinking about uh, Jesus and how people have presented him in the past. Um, the last uh, one of the last podcasts we did, we were talking about uh, dispensationalism mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what that has to do with, you know, how the, the right way to look at that. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. that book is actually what brought that to my attention. Mm-hmm. I've kind of heard of it, but mm-hmm. never really, you know, it, Never really thought of like, oh well, maybe I need to have a an idea of what this is or a stance. I just you know didn't think of it, but uh, that book is is very very insightful. Um, I definitely highly recommend that. Mm. So what we have here is a stack of books that mm. is recommended. Uh, and Matt, let's uh let's start with number one. Yeah. So before I say anything, right, the key and the most important thing is to read your Bible. Yes. Right. And so just I mean that seems intuitive, but it's always surprising to me as a pastor and as I interact with uh, people literally every day and talk about reading the scriptures or talk about the scriptures and how often people will read books but not read the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I think that's one of the dilemmas today is uh, we it's a good gauge even upon your spiritual life 
is where do you turn first when things seem to turn on you? Mm-hmm. And most of us go to Barnes and Noble or <laughs> Amazon yeah. or we go we go to the self help section of the bookstore mm-hmm. rather than going to the Word of God. And uh, sadly, while that's a common theme in the world, it's a uh, pretty consistent theme in the church because mm-hmm. a lot of the world is in the church and and uh, it's very common for people to have a topic they're wrestling with we all wrestle with doctrines and we all wrestle with uh, issues in our life whether it's suffering whether it's uh, doctrinal issues like god's sovereignty or election things that are difficult hell you know whatever whatever topic or discussion we're, we're in whether we're discussing doctrine with somebody or just wrestling in our own hearts which which is a good thing mm-hmm. how many of us will look for all the latest books on the doctrine of hell or the doctrine of yeah. election or the doctrine of god's sovereignty before we ever even open the bible yeah. and do a search or do a study on that honestly this is this i could be the only pastor that has seen this i doubt it but in my world um it is actually rare that someone has taken a divergent stance on a doctrine that's dif- that's different from what our church teaches or more importantly different from what the bible teaches and when i ask them what they've read um it is rare that somebody's actually read the bible hmm. they will have read so and so they've read this guy they've quoted this guy and that's for good or for bad right mm-hmm. you get somebody who believes in the reformed theology you know by way of salvation as i do and you get somebody that's really gung-ho about it and then i'll ask them what have they read and they don't they've never read the bible Mm -hmm. but they've read you know john MacArthur, john piper whoever Mm -hmm. their guy is and they've read that and they've just embraced everything they've taught and that's not good that's not healthy that's not right um you know you should read your doctrine and your theology should flow from scripture Mm-hmm. And so it should be the Bible that guides and guards our thoughts, not not man. Mm-hmm. And I love books, and we're surrounded by hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so I'm not against that. I'm just against when they supersede Scripture. The books are really primarily to help us better understand Scripture, mm-hmm. help us drive our hearts and lives into the Word, not take us away from it. And I'm always saddened by the fact of how often in the church I see people reading books most of the time, there aren't good books, but books instead of the book. Mm-hmm. And I'm always careful to encourage people and exhort. Um, so first book on our list, mm-hmm. which will segue perfectly into this because I'm modeling this for you mm-hmm. in particular in the class, but is a book on the fear of the Lord. This is a topic that uh, I'm not only passionate about, but uh, I'm simply passionate about it because it permeates the scriptures and it is it is almost non-existent in the modern church. And I really think this is one of those doctrines that if we could get back to this, it would transform our churches and our lives and ultimately uh, bring us back to biblical theology and biblical methodology. But um, it's a really good book. It's by Albert N. Martin, who's a old school pastor from way back and a fiery preacher. And anyway, this comes out of a sermon series he did on the fear of the Lord many years ago. It's called The Forgotten Fear. Uh, subtitle where have all the god fears gone Hmm. excellent excellent book it's it's rather short for a study like this it's 175 pages but the book size is is rather small small it's a small book so if it was a normal size book it would probably be only about 100 pages so Mm -hmm. 
I, I prefer to recommend smaller books if I can, mm-hmm. just because that's generally what most people will really read. This is one that I would say every Christian should read. Mm-hmm. It, it is powerful. It is hard-hitting. It uh, will not make you feel good, <laughs> but it will make you think right, mm-hmm. right? It'll give you truth, and uh, I, I am so thankful for uh, uh, this book has been a help for me, and uh, uh, interestingly, somebody in our church that I recommended the book read it, and that individual anonymously bought 30 copies of this book for us to give out to other people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that good. So yeah. it's excellent, and the topic is more important. So going back to what I said a minute ago, we've been studying this in Sunday school, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we're still working through it. And uh, for the last, I don't know how long it's been, five weeks, we've been, we've been simply looking up the scriptures in the Old Testament that speak about the fear of the Lord. And uh, I mean, it goes on for pages and pages and pages, all the verses we've looked at and interacted with, because it's used almost 300 times in the Old Testament. We're getting ready to do the New Testament. And uh, it's amazing how much we've learned uh, and how clear we see this doctrine, and all we've done is follow this teaching through the scriptures from the law, through the prophets, mm-hmm. through the Old Testament. And again, that's how you study doctrine, right? Yeah. You let the scriptures declare and define what that doctrine is. So what I just said a minute ago is what we do, and we're doing that even in Sunday school, and it's been great. It's mm-hmm. been encouraging. So this book is helpful. It does that to a certain degree, but also hits the, the the theology of the fear of the Lord, which is really helpful. Next book is a is another shorter one. It's in the Nine Marks series. A lot of those Nine Marks books are helpful, and uh, but this one in particular is 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 really um, helpful. It's it's the uh, title "What Is the Gospel" by Greg Gilbert. Mm-hmm. Um, just a simple, it's a, a simple, uh, clear little book. It's a very small book. Again, in the small book setting, it's like 124 pages. If this was a normal size, it'd probably only be about 50. Mm-hmm. So again, totally consumable. That's the whole point of the Nine Mark series. They try to keep them really small so that they'll be uh, consumable by the by the average layperson. This one is good for a number of reasons. One is because it lines out the gospel in a very clear and consents way, mm-hmm. but it also equips you if you if you consume consume it, it equips you to share the gospel in a very clear and concise way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find it to be really helpful and recommended quite a bit to people as they're wrestling with what is the gospel or wrestling with how do I share the gospel. This is a good place to start, and uh, really really helpful because it goes through really the. The four pillars that I would say, you know, are biblical as we share the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. The holiness of God, the the um, the deity of Christ, and the uh, uh, sinfulness of man, and the grace of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so it goes through that really in a in a in a one word fashion. Um, it goes through God, man, Christ, response. That's kind of the heart of the book, and so it walks you through, you know. The gospel really begins with God, mm-hmm. which I love that because many people get that wrong. It doesn't be- begin with man. It begins with God. God is the center of everything, and he is the center of the gospel, and that's why it is in the beginning God. So we must start all of our evangelism biblically with God, not with man. So this book walks you through this simple God and then man. God is holy. Man is sinful. And then Christ is the answer, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a problem. If God is holy and man is sinful, you got a dilemma. And the answer to the dilemma is only one, it's Christ. 
And so God, man, Christ response. What is our response? What is the what is the call then of the gospel? Well, it's to repent and believe. So mm-hmm. really helpful book. And uh, we've, I don't know, I think we bought, one time we bought 75 copies of that book to use at uh, a Christian camp that we are, a, you know, support as one of our missionaries. Well, uh, one of our elders is a um, director of that camp, and we bought them 75 copies of that book to teach with their summer staff, and it had great impact, mm-hmm. so it was helpful. That's good. Next book is uh, one on marriage, so uh, we talk a lot about that here. I know mm-hmm. we're uh, chomping at the bit to have a special speaker come in and talk about that. And so. uh, yeah, uh, we, we are, we're uh, getting our schedules ready for that special speaker to come in yeah. so that we can uh, further talk about the, uh, uh, the importance of marriage in the life of all believers. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she will, uh, she will be encouraging as I know that speaker well. So. <laughs> anyway. no, no, in the biblical sense. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yes. I do know her personally. <laughs> Praise God. Um, but this book is a, this is another good one uh, that I've, I've, it's not always easy to find good marriage books. Um, sadly, you'll have good chapters, but you won't necessarily have a good book. But this, this is one that it's actually pretty good. Um, and uh, I've found it to be helpful on multiple levels. And uh, the title of the book, uh, When Marriage Meets Grace, Love That Lasts. Uh, when Marriage Meets Grace, Love That Lasts. It's by Gary and Betsy. Uh, I don't know how you say that last name. Let me say that. Ricucci. Ricucci. There you go. Ricucci. And um, it's been really helpful. I've 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 recommended it a number of times, and um, it's what I found helpful in it was they take a really good stance, which I I do myself hard. Um, in the reality that marriage is, is driven by God's glory and that marriage, uh, like everything else, was created for him, not for us. And I appreciate that. That's one of the biggest issues in marriage is we get ourselves in the rut of idolatry and self-worship and thinking marriage is about us, whether it's our own pleasure and relationships or whether it's my own praise, whatever it is, it becomes about me. And whenever you do that, your marriage is destined for problems. But when your that, marriage... That is crazy. When your marriage is focused on him, your marriage is destined for joy. And uh, so this book is helpful in that. And uh, um, I'll just uh, turn into, because I haven't opened it for a while, but um, it, it goes through, uh, well, it kind of similar to how I do my marriage counseling, my premarital counseling, where it all begins, which is... God's glory, I know, and the role of the husband, which is, again, that's foundational, role of the wife, role in communication, yep, and then communication again, and then conflict and communication, and then romance, and then a chapter on sexual intimacy, and and then kind of kind of cycles back through to God's glory. So, yeah, it's it's simple book. It's like 175 pages and some discussion questions and some of it's stronger than others, but um yeah, it's helpful. So, uh sure. that's one again, that's helpful to have some good resources on that that you can even hand out to other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one that that I could recommend. Good. Uh another one by way of family. I've got two here by way of family. And again, simple. I'm just looking for some something shorter especially for men. This one's specifically about a dad. And it's a really good, uh, simple book, clear, but so helpful. 
uh, by John MacArthur. It's called Being a Dad Who Leads. Mm-hmm. And uh, about the same size as the nine marks, what is the gospel? Um, I hand this book out a lot on Father's Day or sometimes when we do a parent dedication. And uh, um, I mean, here's a quote in uh, pulling out from page 35 in the book. And Pastor John pulls out a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones that about says it all. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, this book is all towards dads. We should give our children the impression that the most wonderful thing in the world is Christianity and that there is nothing in life comparable to being a Christian. Hmm. That's good. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a father, right? What is the greatest legacy you could leave for your children? And that is your own love for the Lord, Mm -hmm. that your love for the Lord is everything. It was kind of in the end of the sermon today, I was talking about in the end of the four soils where the good soil bears fruit. And we were talking about one of the marks and difference, the defining mark and difference between a true and false believer is the true believer bears fruit. And uh, what I didn't get to get into was that reality that genuine fruit is not driven simply by duty. It's driven by devotion, Mm -hmm. devotion to God, love for God. His love for you then drives your love back to him, and that is what ultimately pushes out the fruit in our life. Mm -hmm. And so it should be with our children. And uh, so it's an excellent, simple little book, great book for Father's Day or Mm -hmm. Christmas. Um, Every man can read this. I literally, it's not very long. Yeah, it's a little over 100 pages Mm -hmm. in small format, and so you can set this next to the bathroom and a couple trips there you'll be through the book yeah there you go another one good for parents because i always have to bring some dead guys in here as um one of my favorites jc ryle it's called duty duties of parents i hand this this little pa- it's more of a pamphlet than it is a book because it's so short but it's like 38 pages in 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 book form um you can literally read this in one setting if you're if you're uh, a reader um, or take me two or three. Maybe. Yeah, it's but it reads well depending on what version you get. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a couple different versions. Um, it's really it's an excerpt of a sermon he preached, but it, it is excellent. Um, it's called Duties of Parents by J.C. Ryle. Every parent should read it. I give it out to every uh, family that's having their firstborn child or parent dedications this is one of the books that everybody gets Mm -hmm. and i want everybody to read the only the only issue i have it's like one of the one of the issues i have with jc ryle was and he about two or three times in the book he he mentions he mentions uh proverbs 22 6 and train up a child in the way he shall go and when he's old he will not depart from it Mm -hmm. he takes that as more of a promise than a general axiom. I take it more as a general axiom. It's a universal It's a universal truth that is generally true, mm-hmm. meaning it's universally across the board, culturally, whatever, but it's not true all the time, everywhere. There are, there are times, thank you, there are times in which, uh, you know, you raise your children rightly and they depart from faith, and, mm-hmm. and there's reasons for that. But um, so I don't take that as a, as a guaranteed promise for everyone. It's just a general truth that if you do this, this is what will happen. And that's the book of Proverbs. Right. And um, so that comes up a couple times in the, in the book, but it doesn't, it doesn't uh, cloud uh, at all. If you just, as long as you know that going into it, then it's gold. I gotcha. mean, this, this is treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of my favorite books in parenting. Um, 
All right, getting into some hot topics uh, for the for the current events. Mm. Here's one here. Um, again, it's a little bit smaller book, but a very serious topic of today's order, and it deals with gender issues, right? And it's an excellent book by Alexander Strzok. It's called Men and Women Equal Yet Different. And uh, again, dealing with, you asked me this question last time, but I don't know if we ever answered it actually. Now it just hit my, hit, hit my mind. And we haven't been in the record room for quite a while, but I remember one of the questions you wanted to ask me about was complementarianism and egalitarianism. But I don't think we ever answered that. You know, I think what, uh, what most people do is they record a podcast on it. Yeah. No? Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. All right, I'm following. That's why you're the host. <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was just. Show, it came to my mind. Yeah, we, we didn't, we didn't yeah. tackle it that time. And I'm we sure it was, so many other things. To I'm tackle. sure it was my fault too. Well, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, Listen, you, like you, you. What are you, what are pastors for? But but to be blamed. Well, you you have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, let's put I it do. that way. It, because you know, it's is yeah scary. It, it bleeds. Anyway. It bleeds out of you. Yeah, you, you cut. We, we cut you. A scripture will come out. I hope so. Isaiah sixty two sixty six two. That, that's what will come out. Amen. Yeah. I, it's my prayer. But anyway, men and men and women equal yet different. Alexander Strout. He deals essentially. Subtitle is a brief study of biblical passages on gender, and mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's a brief study. It's not the end all, but it's really really helpful. Again, layperson, this would be an excellent book to consume, walk through the scriptures, because that's all he does. He just mm-hmm. pulls out passages that deal with this, and he'll walk you through them and help you understand them so that you're armed and conversant with some of these issues as it pertains to gender issues, especially the issue of women's role and men's role, mm-hmm. right? And uh, he lays it out that we are equal, and I love the title because I talk about it all the time. We are equal in essence, but we are different massively different in function and mm-hmm. role mm-hmm. designed by God to be different. Mm-hmm. Just look in the mirror. There's difference. Definitely. Uh, definitely different. I don't look like my wife. Praise the Lord. She doesn't <laughs> look like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm so thankful. She doesn't look like me. I think she's right? more thankful than you. Are. Well, I, I hope she is, but I'm really thankful. But I mean, it's, I mean, we're different, yeah. right? There's, so get over it. But we're different not simply because of how God made us in genders. There is male and female. That's obvious. Look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also made us different for the function he has for us, right? And uh, so it's so helpful. So that's a good book. It, it, it'll just, it, it's a good resource that everybody should have on their, on their uh, desk. Another one. Hot topic, hot topic. Another one. Here we go. Building off of that. Mm-hmm. Homosexuality, big issue, lots of confusion, sadly, in the church. Um, not a lot of good books on it. There's some some good writing. There's some good books with good chapters, but there's a lot of a lot of confusion coming from all over the place. Lots. Yeah. So this is one that I have found really helpful. Again, I love I love books that can do what I can't, and that's write short and concise Mm -hmm. and so that's why i'm not a writer and uh but uh uh, this one is what does what the bible says about sexual orientation and change 
Transforming Homosexuality. So really the title is Transforming Sexuality. I gave you the subtitle first, What the Bible Says About Sexual Orientation and Change. The author is Denny Burke and Heath Lambert, essentially. And um, um, yeah, it's a, again, a short, short book, a um, little over 100 pages. So again, it's not the end all. It's not going to give you all the issues exegetically or, or even theologically. That's not the purpose of it, but it will this I call this a really good segue into a study on this issue. Mm-hmm. This will point you in the right direction. It'll get you thinking clearly about it. And then you're going to have to do some more study on on some of the deeper issues like uh, same-sex attraction, which is a, a, a sad issue that has been marked by way too much confusion. Um, Danny Burke does a good job in the book explaining that it is sin, though many or fail to call it that, but uh, he does uh, in the book and makes that clear. Um, and uh, many other books today don't do not. They kind of give a pass to that, that you can be attracted to the same sex, but as long as you don't act upon it, um, you're not sinning. And uh, that is just a blatant contradiction to what uh, the Lord Jesus himself taught, that if a man looks upon a woman with lust, he's committed adultery in his heart. Mm-hmm. So it's no different than if a man looks on a man with lust and he's a, he's attracted in a sexual way and he continues to look into that. I mean, there's there's no difference. So uh, somehow somehow in the church we've separated sins of the flesh from sins of the heart, and uh, that's never helpful because sins of the flesh begin in the heart. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's all kinds of confusion about that. But it, he doesn't go into a lot of detail about it, but he makes it really clear and shows that it is sinful. And it is wrong, and which is helpful. But the book in and of itself deals with the homosexual issue and really laying lines out uh, the same-sex attraction issue. And uh, right there's title of chapter two, Is Same-Sex Attraction Sinful? Mm. So, I mean, there there you go. And, um, and that's uh, always something I've had a question about, too. So that's a, yeah. that's a, good, uh, a good resource, I would say. Yeah. Because it's always a question that people get posed will we'll get posed to them because, you know, of the controversy, basically, that it that lies within, uh, you know, especially a lot of the churches that have gone the way of, you know, accepting and flying gay pride flags out in front of their uh, yep. churches. And, you know, my last association of churches, I was, you know, in United Methodist, and they just had a big old, you know, upset, you know, you know, firestorm about that. So yeah, that's a, it's a good, uh, you know, not necessarily for the purpose of debating anyone, but understanding it uh, biblically is the best, the best I can say about that, you know? Yeah. Like on page uh, 53, he quotes uh, quite a bit actually out of here from John Owen, which would make sense because John Owen has some classic works on sin Mm -hmm. and fighting sin that, uh, we'll bring up in another, uh, uh, truth talks reads Mm -hmm. good books. Um, but here's a quote from there. He says, now when, uh, he's quoting John Owen, now when temptation, because there's always the issue, you know, temptation, sin, not sin, what's the deal with all that? Mm-hmm. And and it it's something that needs to be thought through. Now when temptation comes from without, meaning outside, so when it's external, it's coming at you, um, it is unto the soul an indifferent thing, meaning um, it's not yet a sin, Right, because it's not—it's outside of you. It's coming at you, mm-hmm. tempting you to sin. It's neither good nor evil unless it is consented unto. But the very proposal from within, it 
being the soul's own act, it is sin. That's mm-hmm. John Owen, which I love that, right? So when what the temp- does it tell you what book that's from? Um, is that, uh, uh, this is uh, mortification. Prob- yeah, yeah. This is probably the mortification of sin. I would imagine um, that that sounds really familiar because yeah, uh, I, I read extremely slowly, and that's one of the extremely slowly readings I'm doing yeah, well, right now. Yeah, well, if you don't read Owen extremely slowly, you're not reading Owen. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's serious, and yeah. that's why most people don't read him because you got to read him slowly. But it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Mining gold is worth it. And, yeah, uh, definitely. So anyway, it's a good a good book. I w- again, it's not the end all, but it's it's definitely a good start, and I would. It's a serious issue that we're all going to face. All ha- Many of us, like myself, have faced it on different levels, and we're going to continue to face it in the church, and we need to deal with it. And, that, and, and here's the issue. I'm just going to be blatantly clear about it. There is no such thing, according to Scripture, as a gay Christian. It's a completely different... Uh yeah, that's a that's a somebody contradiction of terms. It, somebody said it. I, I forget who said it, but they said that gay Christianity is actually a completely different religion. It can, totally, it's a contradiction of terms, mm-hmm. right? And um, so, uh, I have to. I've had to deal with that a lot. And there's confusion, and I get it. And there's people, right? Um, every, actually, many of us have this reality in our own families, where uh, there's homosexual children or or siblings or fa- parents. And so it gets really personal and scary, right? Especially those that have have been in the church or claim to be Christians. And so I get it. It's not it's not an easy topic emotionally, um, but our emotions should never cloud the truth of Scripture. And God's word is clear. I mean, it's just it's undeniable. It's kind of like women pastors. It's so clear. It's ludicrous that we're still having the discussion, mm-hmm. right? So it is with this. Um, homosexuals go to hell. And uh, the Bible is clear about that, right? Just as liars go to hell mm-hmm. and no one would ever call themselves, I'm a Christian liar, right? <laughs> no one would ever say, I'm a Christian pedophile. I'm a Christian thief. Yeah. You know, we would never talk that way. Mm-hmm. But now, especially since we have a guy running for president that's a homosexual, you know, it's vogue. You know, this is the cool thing. This is what we do. We, yeah. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, I've got nothing against the guy. I don't even know him personally. And and sin is sin. The sin of homosexuality is no different than the sin of lust or lying, right? It's mm-hmm. it's all sin, and it, it's all um, condemning in that it reveals our unbelief. But at the end of the day, to somehow sugarcoat it and say that you can be gay and a Christian is to totally contradict what the Scripture teaches. Yeah. And, um, yeah, God never throws his children into hell. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's clear. Yeah. All right. Um, another book. Uh, good one, uh, John MacArthur. Again, dealing with uh, current topics on multiple levels. Uh, this one's called The Truth War. Just an excellent book, Fighting for Certainty in an Age of Deception. Uh, the Truth War. Um, yeah, just helpful in dealing with the priority and the importance of truth. Um, we deal, and I can't, in a postmodern society, there is no such thing as absolute truth, it is, it is utterly denied in the secular world, Mm -hmm. and uh, yet as Christians, our whole uh, faith, our whole life, our whole, um, uh, the citadel of what we are and what we do is built around one thing, truth. Mm -hmm. Take truth away, we have nothing. We Mm -hmm. have no reason to live, we have no hope, we have nothing. And so everything we're built around is built around the truth of God's Word. And so um, that's a topic that is constantly uh, under attack, 
It has been from the beginning. Jesus Christ said, uh, told Pilate, he said, this is the very reason I have come for the declaration of truth. And That's truth is famous question. Yes, and truth truth is is at the heart of what we do as Christians, who we are as a pastor. It's, it's all I do. I'm in the I'm in the uh, centrifugal force of truth. That's what I teach. That's what I declare. That's what I'm called to do, uh, to be a, a minister of the gospel, the gospel of truth. So mm-hmm. um, we live in a world that hates truth. We live in a world that denies truth. Truth in a biblical definition. Truth that's universal, absolute, no matter where you go, no matter who you are, no matter what you think. Truth that never changes. We live in a world that truth is constantly chameleon, right? Mm-hmm. It changes to every culture, every environment, every age. Mm-hmm. You get to define it, decide it, and all that. The Bible says, no, that's not the case. God's truth never changes. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good book that just kind of confronts at that level and, and uh, opens up the scriptures and helps us understand in an age of apostasy, which I talked about today in the sense of, you know, people who walk away from the faith because, you know, their truth doesn't line up with God's truth. We need to know God's truth and be prepared for that. Yep, so definitely. Um, another really good book, classic, important, should be on every shelf in every home. Um, it's by Jerry Bridges. It's called Trusting God, Even When Life Hurts. Uh, this This literally is should be on my top 10 list. Maybe it was, and I just, I think you read nine earlier, but it, it's, it's on my top 10 list mm-hmm. because it's that good. I think this book should be read by everybody multiple times in a lifetime, if not more. Um, it's a book that it's all about suffering and knowing you know, how to respond biblically to suffering. But it's more than that. Really what it is, and that's why I think it's so powerful and so helpful, I think this, I think this, this very well could be the best book that Bridges wrote, though most people would think it would probably be The Disciplines of Grace or what is, uh, yeah, The Discipline of Grace is probably his most sold book. But um, we all suffer. We all suffer in many different ways and at many different times across all of our life. And it's one of the biggest issues we deal with as Christians, whether it's the loss of a child, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's cancer, whether it's a sickness, whether it's job, whether it's abuse, victim being victimized as a child that's no fault of your own abuse whatever i mean it comes in many forms and we have to face it and um this is a book that deals with all of that in on a biblical level through what through the character of god it's really a book on the character of god Mm -hmm. it's really a book on the sovereignty of god is what it is yeah and learning to trust god even when it hurts and um, I've been blessed by this book on many levels and have helped others in counseling, and I can't recommend it enough, and uh, not because the book is that good, but because the book t- points us to the God who is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. excellent. And then lastly, um, it's a book by Bruce Ware. It's called God's Greater Glory. Um, I can't think of the subtitle because I don't have the book in front of me. But it's called uh, Bruce Ware, God's Greater Glory. I have his other book in front of me on open theism, just to remind me, because it's the other book that I'm referencing is in my home library. But anyway, it's by Bruce Ware. He's a professor at Southern uh, Theological Seminary, just a guy that I have been thankful for that has written and taught and I've learned a lot from. It's called God's Greater Glory, and it builds off of the discussion we had at the last podcast about God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's an excellent read on that. It's a little bit weightier. It's a little bit more seminary-type 
mindset. It's not just that. He writes at a, at a lay level, and he's written a number of books to children, and so he's a good writer. But it does get into some heavy terms like compatibil- compatibilism and what is that is, what that means, which is really compatibis- compatibilistic understanding of sovereignty and responsibility, that they are compatible and that they're not fighting against one another, but biblically um, they are compatible. And so he goes into great detail about that, which which will stretch thinking, but it's really, really good. He's got some really good, um, there's some really good truth in there about the temptation of Christ and the impeccability of Christ, but it's all it's all driven on the uh, the glory of God and the person of Christ, and it's really, really, um, it's really, really important. It's about God's sovereignty above all else, mm-hmm. but understanding it not by denying man's responsibility, but by rightfully understanding. It's care- you got to be careful when you're defining God's sovereignty that you don't deny the responsibility of man, right? Right. Because Scripture is clear. I preached on it today, right? Man is responsible. God, again, man won't stand before God and ever be able to say, you weren't fair because you didn't choose me, right? Mm-hmm. As many say today, right? Election or God's sovereignty isn't fair, and that's why they don't believe it, because they said if God only chooses some people, then then how can he condemn everyone else? Well, because they didn't choose him. Yeah. And they're responsible, and he's revealed himself to them. He's given them a conscience and written their law in their heart, and his creation screams forth the glory of God. And he gets into that. But ultimately, man is responsible, but God is still yet sovereign. And um, and he does a really good job uh, walking down that line in a biblical fashion, helping you understand how man is responsible, though he is dead in his sins and unable to choose God, right. yet God is still sovereign in all things. That's good. I uh, am always uh, grateful for these, even though I read slow. I do read like three or four books at a time. Uh, so actually a couple of these off the old list, uh, I'm definitely trying to work my way through. But good. the new list, I got like three that I definitely want to read like right now. Good. <laughs> but I, I I just have to write them down and, yeah. and come to them later. So I appreciate what you do for us, man. Yeah, man. It's a uh, blessing. Thank you for listening to the Truth Talks Reads. I will uh, hopefully expect you to be back next time to get more <laughs> uh, of a list of books to read. So uh, thanks a lot and take care.